Hello everyone, this is Art Gelwix, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Being Productive. Since we're all about being efficient and effective at work and at home, let's get started. Hello again, I'm Art, and this is Being Productive. Now this episode, I'm going to cover part two of my three-part series on task types with a focus on four specific task types. Urgent tasks, recurring tasks, tasks from others, and tasks for others. So let's start with the one that seems to cause the most frequent stress when I talk to people, and those are the urgent tasks. Now to start, we have to keep in mind that urgency is an aspect of time, not importance. Uh, in productivity circles, there's a concept called the pr priority quadrant. And basically you lay out a cross on a piece of paper and it breaks it, the paper up into four sections, quadrants. And those four quadrants are then broken out into quadrant one being urgent and important, quadrant two being urgent and not important, quadrant three, not urgent, but important, and number four, not urgent and not important. So it's important to keep in mind that urgency and importance are not directly tied to each other. Just because something's really important doesn't mean it's really urgent. Your taxes are really important, but if it's December, they're not really urgent. So use that as an example. But when we're thinking about urgent tasks, we have to understand why are they urgent? This thing that you have to do, how did it wind up getting attached to the label of an urgent task? Was this something that was your decision or was it someone else's? How did it get that regardless of who assigned it? Did it get to be an urgent task because it is so close to needing to be done for example, it's Monday and it has to be done at the end of the day Monday, that has made it urgent over everything else. Was this derived from inaction, that you had plenty of time to do it, it just didn't get done? Or did it come out of the blue, so to speak? Is it something that just kind of showed up and is a priority that needs to be addressed quickly? It's important to understand why that task that got designated as urgent so you can start to work on that and understand the impacts. Now, keep in mind something. Urgency, like many other tasks or properties of tasks, can change. Typically, a task can become more urgent and that's usually the closer it comes to its deadline. So if we use the tax example, if it's December 1st, it's not really urgent. If it's April 1st, it's way more urgent. If it's April 14th, it's even more urgent. And that's a progression based to its targeted completion date, which gives an interesting perspective. If you have tasks on your task list that don't have completion dates, can they ever be truly urgent? Keep that in mind. So the other thing that can happen is tasks 
can sometimes become less urgent, but that usually only happens if the importance of a task goes down as well. Now, remember I said earlier that there is no direct connection all the time between urgency and importance. But typically what you'll see is if something becomes less urgent, something has also made it less important. So you have that causality that happens. Now, when we think about urgency, we have to understand that additionally, when a task is urgent, it does not happen in a vacuum. It butts to the front of the line or it jumps ahead. And this is the thing that has to happen right now that is going to impact other tasks that you need to do. It can impact based on the availability of time, the availability of resources, the combination of those things, just because it's an urgent item. It does not mean that everything else can continue along the paths that you have laid out. This is going to disrupt plans and you have to deal with that. The other part of this is if you are dealing with tasks, as we're going to talk about later on, that either are for someone else or from someone else, and now you have an urgent task that comes into play, it's going to impact those for or from other tasks. So you need to additionally take into consideration how are you going to communicate to other people that their tasks are not as urgent as this one that you have to deal with and they're going to have to wait. For many clients, for many stakeholders, for many coworkers and colleagues, that can be a tough conversation because your urgency does not match with their urgency. So let's talk a little bit about how do you manage this urgency? Well, first we've got to identify them identify potentially urgent tasks before they actually become urgent. I'm going to use the example of air traffic control. If you think about it in an airport, the air traffic controllers have a visual map from the radar system of all the planes in flight, where they are, how far away they are, what speed they're traveling at, what altitude, what type of plane, everything you could possibly need to know to get those planes around safely. But what's important to understand is that the closer the plane comes to the airport, the more urgent it becomes to stay on top of what they're doing. If they're 100 miles away from the airport, you have time to make adjustments. If they're two minutes away from the airport, you don't have a heck of a lot of time. So understanding from the layout of your tasks, which ones have the potential to become urgent, and I would say the first measuring stick for that would be anything that actually has a hard and fast due date is a task that has the potential to be urgent. Then going through and looking at highly important tasks with undeclared due dates, ones that need to be done roughly by a certain time. Because if it's an undeclared due date, at some point it has a very high likelihood of becoming a declared one. And that's usually not with enough time to be able to act on it without it becoming an urgent task. 
Now, there are some real challenges when we start to think about managing different types of urgent tasks and some of the weird combinations that we can run into. Uh, one of these combinations is, well, how do you handle multiple urgent tasks? You've got five urgent tasks that need to be done today. How do you get them done? You can't do them simultaneously. It just doesn't work unless you're going to go and delegate and we'll deal with that and giving tasks to other people later on. So it's important to think about with the tasks that you have to address that are urgent. Do you have additional information about those tasks? One, is there a declared priority for them? So if let's say there's five tasks and they're all for the same stakeholder, has that stakeholder or have you pushed to that stakeholder the question of what is the priority of these tasks? I have to get them all done by this date. I know these are urgent, but which one is first, which one is second, and so on and so forth. You need to understand the time sensitivity of it. If you have five tasks, but one has to be done by noon and one has to be done by four o'clock in the afternoon, that's helping you create a slight variance in the sense of urgency. I didn't mention this earlier, but it's an important thing to take into consideration. Don't think of urgency as a checkbox. Is this an urgent task? Check. That doesn't give you enough information. You need to know how urgent it is and how does that value change. The last thing you really need to know about these tasks that are these urgent tasks that are happening at the same time are what is the impact of failure? And this is something I say with tasks frequently. If you're going to commit to doing a task, you have to know what's the repercussions if you fail to be able to deliver on that commitment for whatever reason, either through your own inaction or through external factors. Knowing that failure impact can give you the opportunity to say, okay, these two tasks are both urgent, they're both the same priority, they have the same time sensitivity, but I'm not going to lose my job if I don't get B done, but I am if I don't get A done. And at that point, you've determined which one you have to act on. Another type of management challenge is the conflicting urgent tasks. Two different stakeholders, one block of time, two urgent tasks. The challenge here is that you can't go and say, what's the priority? Because they're two different stakeholders. They will turn around and both say, well, mine is. And that's not the case. So you either need a third party, someone like a manager or someone to come in and say, no, this is the order that you need to do them in. Or you have to negotiate it between them. This is really hard. I'm not going to kid you. It is not easy to go and get two people to agree to let one person's task go first. Just is not a simple exercise. And it's something that comes from that relationship building that you have to work with the stakeholders to be able to say, okay, look, I know yours is urgent, but I have to do this other one first and then I'll get this one done. Or I just can't do that. And you just have to work that relationship. Another management challenge is the unnecessarily urgent task. And I would say that the majority of us think that a lot of the tasks that come across our desk that are flagged as urgent are just that. 
they are unnecessarily urgent. You'll get phrases like, do this because I said so. I need it by the end of the day. And there's no other rationality for it besides because I said so. Or this just came down from my manager or my manager's manager that they need this now. Again, it feels unnecessarily urgent. If they had given you enough time, you could do a wonderful job. But now because it took so long to filter through this process and red tape, it's gotten to you with no time to act on it. Even better, the, well, I've got a staff meeting come up and I want to share some information about this. Well, when's the staff meeting? Oh, it's in about two hours. Everything on your plate has to shift now to accommodate this suddenly urgent request, which didn't need to be urgent, but yet it is. And most of these come from the last type of unnecessarily urgent task, which is one that is a result of failure to adequately plan. Either from the powers that be coming down to you, giving you something at the last minute, to your own failing to give yourself enough time to get something done, or account for all the other work you have to do, some failure in your planning process has resulted in a task or multiple tasks being right up against the time they need to be completed. These types of management challenge, the multiple urgent tasks, the conflicting urgent tasks, and the unnecessarily urgent tasks are the ones that create all the stress. So I'm going to go back to some ways to help manage urgent tasks. I will say though, there's no way to eliminate all the stress around an urgent task. It's urgent. Urgent by definition carries stress with it but we can try to mitigate that. First, we have to know why is it urgent? How did it get to this state? And what are we compensating for? Second, we have to know what the impact of failure is. Is it something that they're not going to be able to present at staff and it's just skipping over to the next week? Or will it reflect badly on us and other people and ultimately become a career limiting error? Who knows? It's important to understand that. Third, you have to discuss the relationship of the urgency to its importance with the stakeholder. So when you have that discussion, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need this right now and it's really urgent that you get it done, have that quick conversation. Okay, so why is this so important? So you understand and have proper context as you are pushing things off and you are deferring things. Because we all know this happens. You get an urgent task that isn't done in five minutes. Maybe it takes about an hour to do. And somewhere in the execution of that urgent task, some other urgent task will show up. And it's more than likely to be less important, but just or more urgent than the one you're working on. And you have to have that understand and understanding of the importance versus the urgency to be able to push back on those new urgent requests. You also have to look at what other tasks are going to be impacted by this urgent request and say, hold it, this is going to be a problem. I have these other tasks that I was supposed to be doing. I have to stop and wait to do those for this new one. Therefore, these timetables are going to be delayed. 
it has to be a communications exercise. And if it's coming from the same stakeholder, often it's an opportunity to say, okay, I have these other things. How long do you want me to push them off? What do you want me to do with them? How do you want me to set the priority? Sometimes it's not an easy conversation, but it's one you have to have. If you don't have the direct power to say, this is the order I'm going to do things in. And finally, take a note. If this task has become an urgent task, why it has, and is this happening frequently? Are you getting multiple tasks that are coming to you as urgent tasks that could be prevented? Start to look for those trends and figure out why, because we go all the way back to the earlier part of this and we start to say, what can I do to help eliminate these unnecessarily urgent tasks? Well, if it's something that's a recurrence, that not enough information is being provided, therefore you can't act on them until the last minute, that's a problem that can be solved. And that's one of the things that you need to look at is what can you do to solve these types of problems? If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably trying to find ways to be more productive. If so, there's a place for you called the Idea Pump. Now there's hundreds of articles about productivity, tools, techniques, and strategies to improve your productivity, and they're all available for you on either the web or your mobile device. Stop over at theideapump.com and find some ideas on how you can do the right things at the right times in the right ways. Remember, it's theideapump.com. Now let's take a closer look at recurring tasks. Now by default, the definition is pretty much in the name. They're tasks that have more than one occurrence. The trick is that these aren't typically standardized. You can have tasks that are daily, weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, semi-annually, on the third lunar eclipse of every second year. You know how these things get. So one of the first and most important aspects of dealing with recurring tasks is making sure you have a good understanding of what the interval truly is. And this is where a lot of people get tripped up because complex intervals can often be broken down into simpler intervals. Let's take the example of you're trying to create a task to keep track of the fact that you get paid on the 15th and the 30th of the month. Now that can be a little hard to find in some applications. Trying to find an application that can track at that interval requires some special coding unless you break it down. Rather than trying to find an application that allows you to schedule a task that occurs on the 15th and the 30th of every month, why not just create two monthly tasks, one for the 15th and one for the 30th? Make them recur on a monthly basis. The likelihood of you finding an application and a way to manage 
monthly tasks is much greater than trying to find something that's going to handle that slightly odd schedule that I mentioned earlier. Now schedules can vary from task to task. For example, a task that happens once a week is likely to be much less complex than one that happens on a less frequent schedule. For example, if it's generate a weekly report, well, you know what has to go into that weekly report. But if it's generate the annual report, that's a much more complex thing. Usually there's a reason why it happens on an infrequent interval, and that's because it has a greater amount of work to it. It's not always the case, it's not a rule, just an observation. Now one of the other things to think about is that recurring tasks need to have an adequate amount of advanced reminder to make sure that you can execute on them. So for example, if it's a weekly task, you usually need a day or two at the most. So if the task has to happen on Wednesday, you should know on Tuesday or maybe even Monday that it's coming up. If it's a monthly task, sometimes you need a few days notice, maybe a whole week so that you can be prepared for when that monthly task comes up. And if it's a yearly task, well, often that'll have more than one reminder. It'll remind you, I'll use the example of a, an anniversary, which is still a task, even though it's a holiday or a recurring event. And we'll talk about where you can put these kinds of things later. But this type of thing of an anniversary has a bunch of things that have to go along with it. Therefore, you need more time to be aware it's coming. The other aspect of that is that the longer the duration between recurrences, the greater the likelihood this is going to fall off your mental radar and fall through the cracks. And in, with that in mind, you need to make sure that you give yourself enough time to compensate and be prepared for the next occurrence of this task. So what are some of the challenges? Well, one, one of the biggest challenges are that infrequent tasks that are happening far in the future can be difficult to keep track of. So for example, if you think about the quarterly task or the semi-annual task, or even better, the annual task, because so many things happen between occurrences, they can fall between the cracks very quickly. And you need to be able to have a system that you can trust to be able to show you when those things are coming up on its own. Another challenge is multi-part recurring tasks. For example, ones that have finished to start relationships, like I talked about earlier, that occur on a schedule. So let's take the monthly report example I mentioned earlier. That happens, let's say, at the end of the month. Well, that could be a multi-part task so that not only does the monthly report have to be run, but the research has to be gathered and then the email or the report has to be emailed out to the stakeholders and a printed copy has to be generated. I'm just making this up, but it probably sounds familiar. If you take that sequence of tasks that has to happen, technically each one of those could be a recurring task because they have to happen each month. But the difference here is, is they have to happen in relation to the core task, which is generating the monthly report. So when you think about 
those recurring tasks as almost recurring mini projects that happen on whatever the recurrence frequency is, it gives you an easier way to manage them because you're going to manage the sequence of events, not a bunch of little individual events and hopefully keep them in sequence. So what are some ways to manage this stuff? Well, one, look for patterns rather than trying to find a tool that can handle every possible edge case. Look for patterns in the types of recurrence that you're dealing with. So for example, if you have a lot of monthly tasks and bi-monthly tasks and weekly tasks, look for patterns in those. If you have a bunch of oddball tasks, like every second month, okay, that's going to take a little bit more planning. If you can't find an application that can handle every second month, I'll be honest with you, you may wind up creating six tasks in a regular application that can handle monthly reminders or annual reminders rather and just scheduling it that way. Sometimes that's what you have to do to adjust. You can't always count on finding a tool that can handle every possible edge case. So stop trying. Stop spending the time. Look to a tool that you're comfortable with. Find out how it handles things like recurrence and then look for the patterns in the tasks that you have and see how they can match up to how that tool can handle them. Another thing to think about is around daily tasks. Anything that has a daily recurrence has the odds and the ability to become a habit if you take the right approach. Uh, if you listen to one of my previous episodes, I talked about an article discussing the idea between habits and routines. This is a good example of that. If you have a daily task that has to occur, if you're able to do that daily task at the same time, you can start to develop it into a habit where it feels wrong for not doing it. And it becomes less difficult to have that happen and more difficult to miss it. So let's talk about where to manage these recurring tasks. And I'm going to talk about not only the digital way, but also the analog way because there's a lot of struggle around having an application that can do these reminders for you. We always want to find an application that'll take the load off our shoulders of reminding us of when something's coming up. And I'll be honest with you, that's usually where a recurring task falls on its face because the reminder doesn't happen in a way that gives us time to act on it. So let's talk about things and solutions where we don't have the option to have the system tell us on its own set off a bell, send us a little flag, alert, email, whatever. So whatever you're doing, if you're doing it in digital mode or in analog mode, you need to be checking your system on a regular basis or you need to trust your system enough to check for you. Now I'm going to say that let's, let's not trust our systems for a while. Let's assume that they're going to not tell us. Or even better, let's say we're going to do this on paper. Well, if it's on paper, the book's not going to jump up and down and tell us we've got something coming up tomorrow. So we have to have that recurring habit of checking on a daily basis. And that it truly should become a habit. I have the habit of each morning when I sit down and I have my tea, I have my book with me, and I go through what's going on for the day. If I don't do that, I'll be honest with you, I feel off balance the entire day. Just something feels wrong. So when we think about daily or weekly recurring tasks, 
I suggest you put those on your task list. Those can be in your task tracker if you have a task application you use. Great, put them in there. If you're doing it analog, put them on the daily pages that you've created during your weekly reviews or your monthly reviews. Just write them down, cross them out when you're done. If it's something that has a longer duration or happens at a less frequent interval, then I'm gonna tell you, and a lot of people are gonna flinch, I'm gonna tell you to put it in two places. One, put it on your task list because all your task work should be on your task list. But second, put it on your calendar. Now here's why I'm gonna tell you that. Because things that have a longer duration, let's say they happen on a quarterly basis or semi-annual or even better annual basis. If you put it just on your task list, that thing is gonna sit on your task list for a year and the odds of you missing it, deleting it, changing it, not paying attention to it, moving it to the wrong folder, any number of things is substantial. And if it's only gonna happen once a year, there's no harm in putting it in something that specializes in reminding you of time-based occurrences, in this case, your calendar. So put it on your calendar. You don't have to put all the details there. Put, there, put the reminder there. You can put all the details in your task management system, but use both to your advantage. Now, there is a way, there have been ways for the longest time to handle recurring tasks on paper. Uh, Merlin Mann, back in the day, had a system called 43 folders, and his system was comprised of 31 folders, I, and I mean folders, manila folders in a drawer, one for each day of the month, and then 12 folders for the different months. And the idea was this. If you had a reminder or you had something that you had to do on the 15th, you wrote it on a piece of paper and you stuck it in the folder for the 15th. If you had something to do on June 15th, or let's even better, August 15th, you wrote it down and you stuck it in the folder for August. And then at the beginning of August, or even better, the last day of July, you took the August folder and you went through it and you put all the corresponding papers into the 1 to 31 folders for that coming month. And you just each day worked through the folders. That system works. I've seen it and I've done it. It's a nice way of handling things, especially those goofy things like bills. You got a bill coming up and it's due on the 8th. Fine. It's got to go out the door. Well, used to be at the time, you had to lick a stamp and send it out the door. Now you can do it all electronically. But you needed to have a few days leeway. So instead of putting it in the folder for the 8th, you put it in the folder for the 5th. You could act on it, go out, and it was handled. You can do that exact same model in a printed bullet journal, on a paper journal, on a three-ring binder. You could do it on index cards if you wanted to. It doesn't matter. The principle is you are creating a chronological system to allow you to handle these tasks and these recurrences when they come up. Now, the only time that I've seen this really becomes a little awkward is when you're using bound notebooks. And I'll admit, I love my bound notebooks. I have a footlocker full of them. It's a little tough with that because you can't really move things around easily. You can't create something and stick it in another section. 
But there's ways to work around that. You can, if you finish a notebook, let's say for example, you have a notebook, you've created the pages, you've created the months. When you finish that bound notebook, you're gonna have to make an effort to transfer the carryover content from one bound notebook to the next. And for a little while, you may have two notebooks to juggle between. It's not perfect, but it's doable. Now I can see you bypassing that particular problem by using either ring bound notebooks or traveler notebooks or disc notebooks uh, to create sections for it. Personally, I like the traveler notebook approach for it because then I can have multiple small notebooks in my large notebook and be able to go through and say, okay, this is good. This is the one for the 31 days and this notebook behind it is for the 12 months and then I have pages that I can jump between and every time I start another 31 day notebook, I just pull the first traveler's notebook out, put in another one and I'm off and running. So it's a good way I found to handle it in an analog mode. If you're handling this digitally, well, you don't have to use a tool that has alarms in it. This is one of the things I've seen people jump up and down about the fact, I wanna use this tool but it doesn't handle reminders and it doesn't handle recurring, all right, fine, I get it. It doesn't have a way that it's going to come up and poke you and tell you to do something. It doesn't have to. If you have the same approach and the same discipline and the same diligence to just check every day, you can duplicate a structure similar to what I mentioned with Merlin Mann in a digital notebook. OneNote, Evernote, Notion, it's a piece of cake. Now, tools like Evernote and Notion have alarm capabilities. Tools like Todoist and Remember the Milk and OmniFocus have alarm capabilities. And that's great, and you can use those. But I'm gonna challenge you to push yourself into a level of discipline of trying to create a system where the system can't fail you easily. You can develop a higher level of trust by just engaging with the system on a regular basis. And in this case, for example, I can use OneNote, which doesn't have alarms, but I can go through and create a page for each day, a page for the, each month, and move stuff around between them and nothing falls through the cracks and I know what's coming up. So the key to all of this for recurring tasks is to get in the habit of checking on a daily basis what needs to happen that day and giving yourself adequate leeway and a heads up before something needs to happen so that you have time to act on it. Don't expect a system to solve this problem for you. You need to do this on your own. You may find a tool that makes it easier, but I challenge you again, you should be able to do this on paper just as easily as you can in a digital notebook or in a high-end task management system. Well, it seems that I've talked a lot this episode. Matter of fact, I've talked so much that I'm going to hold the portion of tasks for others and tasks from others to the next episode. But as part of that episode, I'm going to circle back and talk about ways to manage all of these tasks, whether it be analog, 
whether it be digital, whether it being a dedicated task management tool, and some strategies and some tips and tricks I've picked up over the years that should be able to help you get these tasks under control and get things a bit more organized and help you be more productive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today. If you found this interesting and useful and you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe to Being Productive on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you'd become a supporter of the show by using the link in the show notes. Also, please like and share this and other episodes so we can help as many people as possible in being productive. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.